We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone. This is the recently engaged Tyler here, and I'd like to tell you how you can end up with someone way out of your league. See, some would look at me and call me Megamind or the thumb from Spy Kids or Chicken Little, and they'd be right. But what do I have going for me? It's the performance of my package. The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped, that is. Inside, you'll find the upgraded Lawnmower 4.0, Weed Whacker, Crop Preserver, Crop Reviver, Boxer Briefs, and a Shed Travel Bag. And if you couldn't figure out what those were from the description, I'd be happy to draw you pictures. Get the package to take care of the lackage in your package in the sackage by using our code GUILTY at checkout for 20% off your next order. You won't regret it. Hey guys, what is up? Welcome back to the Get the Charge podcast. I am Steven. I'm the host of the Get the Charge podcast. Very happy to be joined today by a special guest, Mr. Caleb James, who is a film analyst for the Arrowhead Live. Also works for Chiefs Take and work and writes for Arrowhead Live. Caleb, thanks for joining me, man. How are you doing today? Hey, uh, thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, very happy to have you on today. Uh, before we do get started, I have to give a shout out to our official sports bar. The Chicky Chicky Wings and Sports Bar is the official sports bar of the Guilty as Charged podcast. We all know that Thursday Night Football, College Football Saturday is coming up. So go check them out and you can use the code GUILTY for 10% off your next visit. All right, Caleb, we are here to talk about the Chargers and Chiefs matchup, which is a very exciting one. And, you know, Jim Nance and Tony Romo are going to be there. Uh, what's kind of the big thing you are looking forward to watching uh, out of the Chargers this weekend? You know, from the Chargers, I think you have to really respect their pass rush. You know, that's been something that's given the Chiefs a lot of problems in the past because the Chargers have been about the only team in the AFC West that has been able to compete with the Chiefs since Patrick Mahomes got to town. But I know, uh, I know Bosa didn't practice today, so I'm not quite sure what his status is going to be. But with the Chiefs' young offensive line, it's going to be another big week for them because, you know, the Chargers also have Jerry Tillery in there. And he's a guy who's given Kansas City some troubles in the past. But really from the Chargers, I'm curious if they're going to come out and try to run the ball in the Chiefs because right now I know Kansas City, we are uh, dead last in the NFL in, you know, rushing yards allowed. They've allowed 404 through two weeks. 
Now, you know, part of that is just due to poor defense, but part of that's been due to the fact that they've played two of the more run-heavy teams in the NFL to start the season. But I'll be curious if the Chargers want to come in and try to establish Austin Eckler early or if it's going to be guns away with Justin Herbert. Yeah, two really good points. So Joey Bosa, I'm I'm pretty sure he's just uh, a little bit of a veteran rest day today. Uh, and that's been kind of Brandon Staley's M.O., so should be good there. I think um, this is definitely a matchup where Jerry Tillery has, you know, exceeded expectations, one of the few. Been a guy who has been uh, very frustrating to watch for the Chargers. Um, I'm glad you mentioned the young offensive line because obviously the Chargers and the Chiefs have kind of been in similar situations, you know, where they're overhauling their offensive line in one offseason. How has that group looked so far through two games? Uh, obviously five new starters, you know, compared to the Chargers four. Um, so how has that group for the Chiefs looked so far? You know, they've looked about, they you know, to me, they've looked better than expected because you got to remember, it's a whole new group of guys. But with the Chiefs, they've got three guys that have never played, you know, football before. And they've got one guy in Orlando Brown who has never really played in this style of offense, you know, an Andy Reid, West Coast type pass-heavy offense. He came yeah. over from Baltimore, really used to just jump-setting guys. Now he's got to get more into a drive-and-catch. He's got to be able to pass-protect against a wide nine. You know, they they had their early struggles against Miles Garrett week one, but, you know, that's, that's going to happen. This week, pass-protection-wise, they were clean all the way through. Mahomes, I think he got hit one time, and I think it did cause the bad interception, but it was more of a late linebacker loop that came in and caused that. But really, they played a clean game pass-protection-wise. And in the run game, you know, they they get good push off the ball. It's just kind of they're still working that chemistry. They weren't really able to get Clyde Edwards-Hilaire going too much this past week. But the thing with that is, you know, you see four guys doing the right thing, but then it's just one guy messes up something, and then it's just, you know, something little like that causes, you know, a bad chain of reactions, even though there is a lot of positive going on. But I think they took a big step from week one to week two, and I'm going to look for them to continue to build because they do have some – they have a ton of talent up there, a ton of talent, and I think they probably have some potential all-pro talent in the future up there. Yeah, I was a I was a big Creed Humphrey. Our listeners know this. I I hate that Creed Humphrey fell in the Chiefs' laugh laps uh, in the draft, and you know I uh, cracked a little bit of a smile at first when I saw that he has not allowed a single pressure yet so far. So, um, you know, not surprising on that front. You mentioned Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Obviously, he had the big fumble against the Ravens. What's been kind of uh, because it was expected that he was going to take a leap forward this year. Uh, at least in my opinion, it doesn't seem like that has happened. So, what's What's kind of the the mood around Clyde Edwards-Helaire among Chiefs Kingdom, and how can the Chiefs kind of, you know, work him in more effectively in this offense? You know, the thing with that with Clyde Edwards-Helaire right now is I think there's still a lot of stigma on him that they drafted him in the first round as a running back. That's never really a popular thing to do. Yeah, but he, you know, when you watch him play last year, they didn't give the, you know, they didn't have much help up front. He had to make a lot of stuff happen for himself, and he really looked pretty good at times. You know, they involved him here and there in the passing game, but I think we all kind of thought this is going to be the season. You know, he can break out running, he can break out, you know, throwing or catching the ball, and you know, the first two weeks of the season, it hasn't really been that way. I think you know they the team struggled in run blocking versus the Browns in week one against a pretty stout front. And then this week it just didn't seem like he could really get it going. It kind of seemed like Baltimore had him snuffed out from the stop. 
I'm not, you know, I, I don't think they're going to be ready to give up on him. That, that was actually on Sunday. That was his first fumble since his college days, since I believe his mm-hmm. like sophomore year at LSU. So it's not like he has a real bad fumble history. It's just an unfortunate play at the biggest section of the game. But I'd really like to see them if they can get him involved in the passing game this week, because I do think when they have gotten him involved in the pass, it has been helpful, whether it be just throwing the little check downs to him or creating some screen game or even throwing him some, you know, some wheel routes or something out of the back backfield, some bench routes. I'd look for that. And I know the Chargers have also given up a, given up a pretty good amount of rushing yards early yes. in the season. <laughs> You know, I was talking about this on one of my other shows last night. I think that both of these teams are going to come out and try to establish the run early, which is crazy because we're going to be talking about Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, and everyone's going to be wanting to talk about them slinging it around the field, which I do think we'll see plenty of. But I think each of the teams run defense and running backs will play an underrated part in this game. But I think, you know, this week I feel like it could be a priority for Kansas City to really try to get him going. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting battle of styles, right? Because like you mentioned, this is a quarterback heavy matchup. The Chargers had a quarterback, you know, heavy matchup with the Cowboys last week and all of us were expecting, you know, fireworks. We were expecting, you know, 30 to to 27 kind of game and it ended up being 20 to 17. Um so you never really know, I guess, on an NFL week to week basis. Um you know, obviously everybody knows about Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey about this point. Um who are kind of some of the other guys in this offense now that have been kind of stepping up to help Kelsey and Hill and take some pressure off of them? Well, I know a guy that a lot of Chiefs fans have been hard on, you know, through his first couple of seasons has been McCole Hardman. And he really didn't do much week one, which to be fair, week one, it was, you know, I think Andy Reid and the pretty much knew, you know, this is kind of a playoff atmosphere, even though it is just week one, but it's first the Browns. So it pretty much just was the Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey show. This past week, we saw it much evenly distributed. Yeah, Travis Kelsey still led the team in catches and receiving yards, but we saw Hardman sprinkle in there. He caught five balls for about 55 yards. Byron Pringle had a few catches, and he had a long 40-yard touchdown reception where he really showed off some speed. And then, you know, they even spread it around. They threw the ball to both of their backup tight ends, Blake Bell and Jody Fortson. They threw it to their fullback. I'd like to see them throw it to the running backs out of the backfield. We've got Jarek McKinnon on the bench as well as, you know, trying to get Clyde going a little bit. The only thing last week was uh, against Baltimore was they did a good job of shutting down Tyree Kill. They were not going to let him beat them deep. That's That was the Chiefs' recipe the last three times they've played Baltimore is just kill them with deep balls whenever they try to blitz. They were committed wow. to not get beat this game, but yeah, those are you know those are kind of some of those contributors. You know, Demarcus Robinson, he's been around for a while, but those are just you know they can distribute it out when they want to. It's just a matter of if Hill and Kelsey can get open as quickly as they can. Yeah, absolutely, and it's going to be interesting to watch because you know Brandon Staley's defense really is predicated on you know not getting beat and you know keeping that too high shell and making sure that a player like Tyreek Hill isn't getting past them. So it is going to be interesting to watch there. Um, let's shift gears and talk about the defense because I think the position switch for Chris Jones was obviously one of the bigger topics for the Chiefs this year. I think, you know, obviously we all know the floor for the Chiefs is very, very high, but I think if the Chiefs are going to win a Super Bowl again and Chris Jones is going to have to work out, um, you know, at the defensive end, how has that process been so far for Chris through two games you know I know people are freaking out but week one he did pick up two sacks for some pretty good offensive tackles for the Cleveland Browns 
And that is where Chris Jones makes his bones at is in the pass rushing game. This week is a much more difficult challenge. And this week, I don't think it was necessarily fair to ask him to do that stuff because Baltimore runs one of those unique offenses that pros, you know, you don't see too often in the pros. They're going to go read heavy, a lot of misdirection. Lamar is going to be making those quick decisions to pull the ball, to give it, to pitch it, to hand it off you know, or to just pull it and throw it on an RPO. That's not really Chris Jones's game. His game is going there and tear stuff up from the very start, you know, going there and, you know, he's not a guy they want to be, you know, he's not a guy he wants to sit around and read and react. He's a guy that he wants to go. Thankfully for the Chiefs, there's not a lot of teams, no, there's really no other teams in the NFL that play that way. So I'd say that's a positive. Um, This week, though, he'll have a good matchup against Rashawn Slater, who's been very good on the outside so far in his early season. I think they'll probably move him around between left defensive end, right defensive end where they can check that out. I'm not I'm not overly concerned about it. You know, Jones, he's always been, you know, so-so in the run game. I think they do need to look to try to get him back to the interior on some third down looks just because that is where he has been, you know, at his best in the past as an interior defensive line pass rusher. I think obviously you can, you know, the more versatility that you can bring to the table, I think is is great. I was really surprised because when they, when uh, Spagnola came out and said that they were making the switch, I pictured kind of like you're saying, like a split, but uh, you know, from the snap counts, it's like full on like defensive end at this point for him. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much what it's been. You know, they did a little bit of rotation versus the Browns, but this week it was just mostly him and, you know, the Chiefs have had some issues at defensive end for a couple of years now. It's going to be a position I think they address heavily in the offseason. Frank Clark hasn't really panned out so well, though he's made big plays in big games. He hasn't really been that consistent factor they've needed. And, you know, they're just they've got, you know, an assortment of like veterans like Alex Okafor out there, and then like young guys or like mid-round draft picks like Mike Dana out there as well to try to play those positions. Josh Kando is another one. But it's definitely a position that, you know, they're not the strongest at. It's a position I think teams are going to try to take advantage of them of as far as, you know, setting the edge in the run game or, you know, being able to, you know, slide an extra guy out to help pass block versus Chris Jones in protection when they slide a guard out there. So, yeah, I mean, that's probably one of the Chiefs' weaker points of the game. I'd say that'll probably be a position they try to teams try to take advantage of this season against them. Yeah, well, I hope that he stays on the left side selfishly for the for the Chargers because if he goes on the right tackle, it's going to be big trouble for us uh, with Storm Norton, the backup right tackle, has been uh, experiencing some struggles, to uh, put it lightly. Um, let's talk about this linebacker group because obviously they've got some young and talented players. Um, I know Willie Gay has kind of battled some injuries, but Nick Bolton has played quite a bit. What have you seen from that group? Uh, obviously, you have Anthony Hitchens as well, who's been in the league for what feels like forever. Um, so what, what's up with the with the Chiefs linebackers these days? You know, I tell you what, with the Chiefs linebacking core right now, um, it's not look very good. Now, Willie Gay, we haven't seen him play hardly much. We saw him. We've seen flashes of him in the past. Okay. We just haven't seen enough of him. Like right now, when it comes down to uh, the Chiefs linebackers who played the first two games, Really, you know, you've got Ben Neiman. He doesn't really belong on the field. And, you know, Anthony Hitchens, he's been in the league a long time, but he's looked particularly bad the first two weeks of the season. Mm. He's had trouble tackling. He hasn't really been reading plays very well. I you know I thought we, these first couple of weeks, I thought this was going to be his bread and butter, just the way he's built to, you know, go in there, blow up gaps, make tackles. And he looked absolutely lost this past week. 
The only tackle for the Chiefs that's made any impact in any game so far has been Nick Bolton, the rookie linebacker out of Mizzou. And I know that pick really frustrated a lot of Chiefs fans when they made it because they're like, well, we have Hitchens out here. He's already going to dominate most of these snaps. But when you look at Nick Bolton play, to me right now, he's already you know playing at the same level Anthony Hitchens is. Maybe not from a men- mental standpoint, but it's been a while since the Chiefs had a, you know, a linebacker that can go in there and take on a block and break off of a block and then go get a tackle for loss. And, you know, all the credit to Nick Bolton, this has been, he's been baptized by fire the first two weeks of the season. Cause yeah. you get that Cleveland offensive line with Chubb and Hunt coming at you full speed. That's tough. And then you got to go read Lamar Jackson, you know, 30, 40 times a game and try to fight through all the reads and everything. That's tough also. So I'm going to give him a tremendous amount of credit He's still got a little bit of work to do in the passing game. I'm a little bit nervous about Austin Eckler out of the backfield that this week because that's been an area the Chiefs have struggled in, and I believe Willie Gay is still going to be out this week, so they don't really have their pass covering backer. So maybe that'll be. I think that'll probably be an area the Chargers try to take advantage of the Chiefs in. But Bolton for right now for me is really the only guy making a real impact out there. That is, uh, yeah. If you have Austin Eckler in fantasy football, be sure to start him. Well, you should be starting him every week, but. Um, definitely starting in this one. Um, the last thing before we get to just kind of your thoughts on the game overall, um, obviously everybody knows about, you know, the honey badger. He was excellent in his debut after coming back from COVID had the two interceptions, one for a touchdown outside of Tyron Matthew. How has the chief secondary been playing recently? You know, I'll be honest with you. They haven't really been tested much this year with everyone running the ball on them. I know, you know, from a run defense standpoint, you know, Dan Sorensen, I think he leads the NFL in missed tackles to start the season, which is wild to me because he's a guy that's kind of looked like he's forgotten how to play football through two weeks of the season. And he's always been a guy who, you know, he's never going to be the great athlete. He's never going to be a great, you know, he's never going to be a Hall of Fame or all pro caliber player, but he always had the knack of, you know, being a reliable tackler and making big plays late in the game when the chiefs needed him to, and that, you know, he hasn't really been able to do a whole lot of that through the first two weeks of the season. But I mean, Legereus Sneed, people are saying he's regressed because he's lit quiet. If you throw on some of the film, it's because he's locking people down. They're not really getting anywhere on him. Quarterbacks are not looking him away. And then, you know, with a uh, Charvarius Ward and Mike Hughes, Mike Hughes obviously sealed the game week one with a nice interception, their ward got beat this week. There was a little miscommunication of the Chiefs' secondary at times. That's going to need to be something that's worked out. I think the big thing, everyone in Kansas City right now, that we're all pounding on the table is for more Juan Thornhill because he's been, when he's been healthy, the last time we saw him really fully healthy was 2019, but he started turning on last year in the playoffs. They just didn't really play him that much down the stretch. But he's a guy that's completely capable of playmaking when he has to. We've seen him make these plays in the past, and for him to only have 11 snaps, is, I think is outrageous, especially when he is the kind of guy that when you watch him play, you know, you kind of think like, well, he's kind of like a mini Tyron Matthew. He does a lot of the same things. He can come up and play in the box. He can go play center field when he needs to. He can go line up in the slot cover guys. So he's got all this versatility. I think they just need to get him on the field a little bit more. Yeah, and you know, I, I completely agree with that. I think Juan Thornhill is one of my favorites coming out of that draft, and um, that 2019 season was really good. Has Snead been playing more in the slot like last year, or has he been kind of moving around too? You know, he's been a lot in the slot. They've moved him around at times. I know people like I don't know people think he's quiet because he hasn't recorded a sack every game like he did <laughs> for that streak last year. Yeah. And I'm like, well, 
you know, in reality, we need him to be covering more than we need him to be rushing the passer. Right. And hey, you know, if a cornerback, if you're not hearing much out of him, it's like, you know, it's like when you say, I didn't hear much out of that offensive tackle. That's probably a good thing for the overall theme of the game. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, like, it, it's similar to the offensive line, right? Like, if you hear a cornerback's name, or if you don't hear it, rather, that's a good thing. Like, that, that is a good thing, in my opinion. Um, before we get the predictions for this game, I want to ask you, what are your thoughts right now about the Las Vegas Raiders and Denver Broncos? Obviously, both undefeated at this point. Pretty surprising that the Raiders are not so surprised that the Broncos are. How are you viewing those two teams right now? You know, the Broncos, they've they've played a pretty easy schedule. I don't yeah. think, you know, it's a confidence booster for sure for some of those guys on their team. But you look, they're going to be missing Bradley Chubb for an extended period of time. Yeah, I think I think you know Vic Vic Fangio's coaching for his job. They're good. They were bound to come out hot versus some bad teams. I don't really think it's going to be sustainable for them down the line. And you know, with the Raiders, you know they that that game was absolutely wild. The opening week Monday night, <laughs> it was, it, so was bad. <laughs> it was you know neither team really wanted to win that game. And I guess credit to the Raiders for going out there, and I guess credit to the Raiders for going in there and taking care of the Steelers you know they put some points up on a pretty good Steelers defense but Ben Roethlisberger is nowhere near what they're about to be seeing in guys like Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert down the line and I've also you know we've seen this story time and time and again from the Raiders hot start then they get a little rough patch in there then they lose a few games in a row and then all of a sudden it turns into another 500 to below 500 season for them and you know it's a long season, man. Anything can happen at this point. I know they've got the two and no flags printed out in Las Vegas already, <laughs> but uh, there's still a lot of football left to be played. They are the September Super Bowl champions every single year. It's wild how they're like, you know, amazing records in September and then just fall off. It's which is fantastic for us because we get to make fun of them. Um, all right, final thoughts here. Uh, I'd love to get your prediction in this game. Uh, for the Chargers and Chiefs, uh, you know, uh, you can any final thoughts that you have here and then the prediction of uh, who wins and what's the score? You know, I think these are two teams that it's one and one. Each team's one and one. This isn't like a necessarily giant must win game, but I think they're both going to be treating it like it, like it is a big must win game, both coming off of losses to teams who are very good football teams who are likely going to be competing in their respective conferences down the line. So I think that's going to come out. It's going to be you know a mentality game. I think that each team's going to want to try to prove something physically against the other team. You know, obviously with this new Chiefs offensive line, I think I'm excited to see how they look. You know, versus another elite pass rusher like a uh, like Joey Bosa. So that'll be what I'm looking forward to. And you know what I mean when the Chiefs have when the Chargers have beaten the Chiefs in the past or made the Chiefs struggle in the past, it's usually been a story of. They're able to rush Mahomes. They're able to make him uncomfortable, and they're able to make him miss his reads with their secondary. I know they've got Derwin James back this week. It'll be interesting to see – or they've got him back this season. It'll be interesting to see how they use him because we've never – I haven't really seen him play too much, you know, versus Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey before. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of an impact he makes on that game. But I do think that the Chiefs have enough weapons to hold on this week. I think they're going to try to get something going – with Clyde Edwards Elaire. I know the Chargers defense does have, you know, some young linebackers. Kenneth Murray's going to be a pretty good player here, but you know, we might see them go after him just a little bit. We know maybe some stuff out of the backfield. But 
you know, when it comes down to it, I think that, you know, these defenses, they haven't played great the first two weeks of the season for either side. I think yeah. it may come down to that. And, you know, Herbert's thrown, what, three interceptions this season so far? Yeah, it's been three. One of them, Keenan Allen, fell down before that he threw it. So, I mean, mm-hmm. but it is what it is. He, he has thrown three interceptions, yes. I'm a... I'm going to be looking for Tyron Matthew to continue his trek on his contract season. Look to get another one in there. I think that'll probably be a difference maker. I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be about 35 to uh, probably 35 to 30 chiefs. I'm going to go with high scoring affair for sure. That's, uh, that's the thing. Everybody, lots of Chargers fans are worried about this matchup, but like you said earlier, the Chargers have played the chiefs the closest. They just haven't been able to really, you know, get over that hump. Um, outside of you know the 2018 game in Kansas City, um, it's been some tough sledding in terms of the wins and losses. But the Chargers are always close against the Chiefs, and you know this has been a, a great conversation, Caleb. Thank you for your time, Chargers fans. Make sure and give him a follow. Make sure and give Arrowhead Live a follow as well on Twitter. Uh, we know that the intel with the division rivals is very very important. Uh, you can follow Caleb at CJ Scoobs on Twitter and Arrowhead Live at Arrowhead Live. Caleb, thank you so much for joining us, man. Have a good one. Absolutely. You as well. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.